The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. It's good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. We will jump down in there starting in verse 12. We left off at verse 11 last week, and we'll pick up where we left off. I don't know if you've ever had something that maybe the kids was special to you, and maybe the kids broke it especially like a tool, you know? You're like, oh, man, you ruined it. And then uh, you, you know somebody that's handy, and you give it back to them, or you give it to them, and they give it back to you, and they fix it. And it's actually better than it was before. And so you've recovered something that was lost. That's what, what Paul is talking about today, is that the man, like the Lord... When he does something in us, we've been talking about how he justifies us. He, he puts us in a right standing. Jesus puts us in a right standing with God based on everything that he did, not anything that we do. And when, when, that, when, that, thing, when that transaction takes place in your life, and you're reconciled to God, then things um, are much better than they were uh, before you, you knew God, even before they were in all of their perfection uh, at the beginning of creation. And so that, that's what we're going to dive into today. And we've we sort of been kind of been hammering home to, for you to understand and see that when you, when you boil it all down, all you have to offer God of any value is belief, nothing else. And even in your obedience, if it is not rooted in belief and flowing out of that faith and that belief in who Christ is, then your, your obedience is meaningless and valueless in the sight of God. It's a heart of obedience that comes out of a love relationship with Christ that God desires, and everything else would be self-righteous and get us nowhere. And so through our faith, our belief in Christ, things begin to flow. But they don't only flow, they overflow. And we see this picture throughout um, scripture, whether we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there's always an overabundance of what is necessary. Today, the kids downstairs, um, Tara's teaching them, or uh, the kids she's got set up for the lesson, they're talking about Elijah. And one of the miracles the Old Testament prophet was able to perform was sort of a miracle like Jesus performed, um, but only he fed about 100 people, and there, there were a few loaves, and he tells the guy to give them out. And the guy's like, man, I'm not laying these out like it's going to be embarrassing if I put this out and try to feed all these people this amount of food. And he says, you put it out, bro. There's going to be leftovers. And there were leftovers. So I'd encourage you this week, um, as you're feeding the kid leftovers, <laughs> talk about leftovers and the power of leftovers. There's always an overabundance when it comes to the kingdom. The Lord is always um, providing more than it is necessary and always doing incredible things in our lives. And so I'm going to jump in here today, and I'm going to teach you some things that are like it's Christianity 101, okay? Biblical Christianity. And it's something that the stuff I'm going to teach you about today, it is the most important truth you could ever learn in the church, okay? And, and it's something you need to have a clear understanding of. And some of you may not. Some of you may be a little bit confused about what does it mean to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, to give your life to him. And so Paul, in, in, in this chapter of the Bible, man, he, he teaches some truths that are incredibly powerful and life-changing. Um, everything about you in, 
and uh, as this truth hits you and it's applied to your life, it determines everything about who you are. And so he starts in verse 12, and he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. So the first thing that I would um, draw your attention to and share with you and want you to take away is that death reigns over the sons of Adam. Okay? Death reigns over the sons of Adam. All of humanity has been sentenced to death. And you can just, like, just picture, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, it doesn't matter where you go in Kansas, it doesn't matter how small and tiny the little town is, it will have a graveyard. Everywhere. They're everywhere. I was driving around about, I did a 30-minute drive yesterday out south, and I passed no less than six graveyards. They were everywhere. I mean, you're driving down the road out in the middle of nowhere, and they go, whoop, well, there's one right there. There are dead people everywhere, man. What's going on? The death sentence has passed to all of humanity. Every single one of us is going to die, and we need to come to terms with the fact that there are a certain number of days that are allotted to us, and then the death sentence hits us. Some of us will live to be 100. Some of us won't live past 40. Some of us um, won't live past 20. Some of us may not live past this Friday. Okay, I, told, I hope it's not me. <laughs> but it's the truth. Like, every one of us is going to be touched by death. And there are two types of death. There's the physical separation of the soul and the body. Okay, so when a person dies, so I'm here preaching, man, I'm just in the Word, I'm, we're down in there, and if all of a sudden something hit me and I died right now in this moment, um, then what would happen is my body would fall to the stage you guys just have to deal with it, <laughs> all right? And so here I am, and my soul would be separated from my body, all right? That, that is physical death. So when you die a physical death, there is a separation of your soul and your body. The other type of death is spiritual death. And spiritual death is when your, your body and your soul are separated from God. Everybody comes into the world dead, okay? Everybody, because of the sin of Adam, has experienced uh, uh, spiritual death. Adam was created without sin. So in the first human that God created, he placed him in this place of paradise we know as Eden. This is what the book of Genesis teaches. And he tells him, man, like, I want you to manage all of the animals, and I want you to take care of all of this creation. And I, I like, this is yours to enjoy. And God would come, and he would, he would commune with him. And he said to him, I want you to procreate. I want you to make other humans. What a good gig for, uh, for Adam, right? He's going to work, but he's not working with toil. He enjoys his work. There's a really enjoyable side of work. 
It's just that when we have to work and that's the way we provide for ourselves and we're not just working for enjoyment, it becomes taxing. But when it's working for enjoyment, man, it's, it's a really good place to be. And so that's where Adam is at. And in that place, when God told him, he says, you don't, you, you, like you, all this freedom is yours. Just don't, don't go around this, this particular um, fruit and stay away from it. And so there was just one command of obedience for Adam to obey. We know the story. The deceiver came in and deceived the two of them, and the entire planet was plunged into sin. So he who was without sin all of a sudden died spiritually. That was the sentence. When God came and he executed justice, he said, you will die now. And he said, well, the, when the enemy came and told me and deceived me, he said, we will be like me, that we would be like you if we ate. He said, you're not going to be like me. You're going to be like him. He's a liar. Okay. And so he deceived you. You were not like me. As a matter of fact, Adam, you are so not, so much not like me. You will no longer be in my presence. He vacated him from the Garden of Eden. And now the world has a curse on it. And God no longer is in communion with Adam. There's separation. He immediately died spiritually in that moment. He died spiritually in that moment before he created humans. You see, we as the sons of Adam come from that lineage, and so now a sinner is procreating and populating the earth. And, and in doing so, all of the humans that have come after Adam have come into the world in sin. And, and uh, so, we, so the, the important piece for us to, to grab a hold of is that you are spiritually dead, okay? When you come into the world, you are spiritually dead. All human beings since this fall has taken place is. The word that is used here about death, it says it is um, that death reigns. That is the word, the Greek word basileo, and it means to be king, to exercise power, highest influence, and control. And that's what death does. Like death, death in that sense, it does that very thing. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. You got a guy, maybe he's young and he's successful and he's, man, he's just working hard and he's, he's making a lot of money, building a business, whatever it is that he's doing. Maybe he's working for a company and, 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 he, and man, things are just going good. And he's taking his family on trips and he's making investments and doing all of these things, man. And he's just hyper-focused. And then all of a sudden he goes to the doctor and finds out he has cancer and only has six months to live. What happens? Death controls him. His life shifts immediately. He is under the power and reign of death. And so that's, that's how death reigns. It ultimately will win over every single human being. And so we see the control that it has, the influence it has over our lives. And so because of Adam's disobedience, we all are dead spiritually when we come into the world. It's just in our DNA. And that's what Paul is trying to... Um, get us to see. Now, when we look at that, and because of Adam's disobedience, and we're all dead, and I make that truth claim, we're inclined to say, that's not fair. It's not fair that you're telling me that I am marred by sin when I came into this world because of something that a guy did a long time ago. Well, what you don't need is fairness, because if God were fair in that moment, as soon as Adam did that, he would have just annihilated him. 
No more human beings. They're unholy. But that's not what God does. God is merciful in that moment, even to the point that he doesn't bring physical death upon Adam in that moment. He only brings spiritual death, and then he allows Adam to go forward and still experience life. And what he was supposed to do is multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And so now God is populating the planet with unholy people that can't be in fellowship with him. And there's a dilemma. There's a major dilemma. The, the, the planet is populated with people who are spiritually dead. And so we say, well, it's not fair that this one person is responsible for that, and I am the recipient of it. Recipient of it. You um, and I, each one, confirm our solidarity with Adam as soon as we sin. And, and it didn't take us very long to do that, right? I'm in Adam. Like, you, you, you are in Adam from a very, very young age. I mean, you, you, you just figure this rebellious thing out really, really early in life, and nobody has to teach you. Now, that's the bad news about Adam. Um, the good news about Adam is that this says that he serves as a pattern. That's how um, verse uh, uh, 12 or, or 14 ends there. It says that Adam serves was a pattern of the one to come. And so the word pattern there is the Greek word typos, and it means formed by a blow or an impression. And so he is an impression of one to come. He gives us somewhat of something to look like as we look at Adam and what would happen in the Messiah that we, when he would come. And so even in that moment when all of this fall took place, God said that, um, that, that, that the, the, the enemy... Satan himself would bruise your heel, but the seed of the woman shall crush his head. And so something is going to come out of this sinful race that is going to defeat all of this deceit, and it's going to come out in the future. And that is a prophecy about the coming of, of, of Christ himself. And so the, that, that thing that's going to come is going to be a, a pattern. Adam is a pattern of, of what happens in the future in the second man. And so he goes um, in verse 15, but the gift... Is not like the trespass. For the many died by the trespass of the one man. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Here's the second takeaway. Jesus reversed the curse and paved the path to much more life. Over and over, Paul uses the term one and the words much more. There's much more. There's much more. Adam serves as a pattern, but, the pa- but what Jesus does is much more powerful than what it was that Adam accomplished. And so just like Adam's impacts everyone, Jesus offers the gift of recovery to everyone. And not only does he offer the gift of recovery, we see a, a, the word gift there is the Greek word charisma, and it means divine favor of which one receives without any merit. 
They're like So it is a favorable thing that God does in a person's life without any merit on their part. So there's nothing that Jimmy Holbrook could do to receive that gift uh, or to, to obtain that gift other than just receive it. That's the only thing I can do. The only thing I can do is believe in the gift, okay? Now, we're building a case here, so stay with me. And he says that in that, that that, that, that gift will not only... Um, accomplish much more than what the trespass did, it will overflow. And that means that it will exceed a measure. So if this much is needed, then this much is given, all right? And so that's what happens in this, in this gift. And how does, how does he do that? He doesn't just offer the gift to one who sin, but to many. And it does much more. And he talks about um, the word uh, abundance here is that he super abundantly provides life that overflows. So we got death, and now we've got this picture of Christ who provides this life that is overflowing. So Adam created humanity. Jesus created a new spiritual humanity. That's what his, the gospel is all about, is you've got all people who are dead, Jesus comes to create a new life, and it is a new spiritual humanity. That is why Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again to come into the kingdom of Christ. He doesn't say you must be Catholic, you must be Baptist, you must go to church, you must give a tithe, you must do this, that, or the other. He says you must be born again. Why? Because you're dead spiritually. Every person must be born again in order to know Christ and have the divine favor of God resting on their lives. Jesus recovered everything that was lost, but he didn't just recover it. He made it much better. That's why when he talks about the thief um, in John chapter 10, he's describing his sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. They hear my voice. They know my voice. They follow me. But the thief is not like that. The thief um, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. It is the super abundant life of the much more that Jesus has accomplished. And so we go on in verse 18. Consequently, okay, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Now, this is not teaching universalism. This doesn't mean that because Jesus died, everybody's going to heaven. Now, that is a deceptive thought that most people in America really believe. When is the last time that you saw anybody that, that you really thought about when they died, are they in heaven? We think everybody's going to heaven. But that's not what Christianity teaches. Only those who know Christ, and here's what I want to give you in this, this third takeaway. I'm either in Adam or I'm in Christ. There are no other alternatives. 
You say, well, I, you know, Jimmy, like he's pretty aggressive up there. He's pretty strong in what, what he's teaching. And uh, I believe, but I don't really believe like that. And I believe that there are some other people that they might find their different way and, and they're in heaven because they were really good people. No, 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 bro. Jimmy's not just like being like, oh, really conservative. I'm teaching you from an ancient book, verse by verse, exactly what God has preserved for thousands of years. I'm not teaching you some fancy little thing that I've come up with. I'm teaching you what God says is his word. God has raised up prophets that have made prophecies that then over a course of time have been fulfilled that we know that could not have accomplished unless the divine hand of God was in the midst of it. And so as we look at this, it doesn't like we, we can't come to this place where we think that it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincerely in, in your belief. Well, you can sincerely believe that two plus two is five, but you are just sincerely wrong. Like there is truth, and, and our truth has to be rooted in something, and it certainly should not be rooted in our feelings or how subjectively what we think about something. And thank God for the word of God that he's given us that we don't have to take a blind leap in the dark, that we are believing in a real historical event. We're believing in a real historical person, the man Jesus Christ, who said he was God in the flesh, who gave his life for the ransom of many. And when he did that, there was a shift in their lives. We see that when he rose from the dead and sent back the pneuma of God, the spirit of God, these people were transformed. Why? Because they came alive, right? Some of you, are, you, you may be dead this morning. You may be spiritually dead and you've never come to life. That's why this, this, this message is so significant for all of us to, to recognize that, man, like if I'm either in Adam and I'm dead or I'm in Christ and I'm alive, and so uh, as we play this thing out a little bit more, we see that, um, that, that according to the word, this is truth, and there are no in-betweens. And what it shows us is that God hates sin so much that it only took one sin by one creature to condemn all men all women. But he loves the sinner so much that he provides redemption, not only for the one man who was guilty and for his one sin, but for all who would call upon the name of Christ and for all of their sins, past, present, and future. That's what Jesus does. And so we look at that and we go, man, it is unfair for God to like be responsible for this one little thing. But you say, wait a minute, what Jesus did is he covers all of it throughout time for all of the people that have sinned, for all of the sins that they ever did commit or will commit and have committed. And so even me, as I speak, if I go out and sin this week, covered. Will it be covered because... Um, I do something? No, it will be covered because I am in relationship with Christ. Now, you go, well, does that mean I can do anything I want? I suppose it does mean you could do anything you want, but if you think that way, you do not know him. Because you would never think that way when you come alive in Christ. You think completely differently than that. And so what we see is the truth of God makes us more like God while lies make us more unlike him. So Adam believed a lie. 
And why is this important? It's because if we are not careful what we are putting into our heads, we will say something. You can tell yourself a lie long enough till you eventually will believe it. You could tell yourself, well, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't have to do these things. I don't really have to be born again. I mean, I was baptized when I was nine, so. Like, baptism doesn't do anything to you. Confirmation doesn't do anything to you. A man standing over you and telling you, well, you know how to answer all the right questions. You're okay. No, you are not okay if you are dead spiritually. If you are in Adam, you are not okay with God. The only thing that will make you okay with God is for you to come alive in Christ, for you to be born again, for you to get on the other side of the curse. And that's why Jesus did so much more, is that we see in him is that he reversed the curse and put us in a place where we can be living on a path of life that is bringing about much more in our experience. And so the enemy is constantly trying to use deceit to fool men, and men, we know, will make up their own truth, which all it is, is a lie. And so everyone is either ruled by death reigning in their lives, which is ruthless, or they are reigning in life. That's what Paul says. You're either ruled by death or you're reigning in life. And so we read read, uh, verse 20, it says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the big idea. (laughs) When grace reigns, eternal life is lived right now. So when grace starts to reign in my life, and and I understand what has happened to me, then the way that I live is in that eternal state already. So I'm walking in the freedom of Christ, and my shame is no longer oppressing me because I no longer fear, fear death because I know that death for me is nothing but a gateway back to ultimate perfection where I walk with Christ in all of his glory. Right now, he shares his glory with me as he sits on the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for me, and I walk with him as he lives lives spiritually inside of me because he indwells me as a believer. He has paved the way to the much more life, and I'm living the eternal life right now. Now, here's the thing. That word life there is the word zoe, and it means fullness of life, okay? So what is, what is, what is, it, what is happening there? Jesus gives us the life that he has, So when we are redeemed and he reverses the curse, we are moved to a domain where we're living above the curse and not below the curse. It's learning to live on the resurrection side of the cross. And there are a lot of people that believe in Christ, but they're stuck on the crucifixion side of the cross. And there's nothing but death there. And death, you've been set free, and death is not supposed to be reigning in your life because you're supposed to be living eternal life right now, and you're on the wrong side of the cross, and you need to get on the backside, the resurrection side of the cross, where all of the glory begins to happen and shift in your life. And you're not trying to do things religiously to please God. You've come to the conclusion you are pleasing to God. (laughs) Like, the more I think about it, the more I just want to do for him. But the more I try to do, the more I feel like I fail. 
And so I just kind of just rest in his glory. And sometimes we look at people and we go, man, why is it that, that this person, this person seems to be getting um, so much movement in their lives? Why is, it, why is it that I feel like it doesn't matter what I do, I keep trying this, that, and the other, but I can't, I just don't feel that freedom? Well, first, you got to get in the boat, okay? And by getting in the boat, I mean you got to be in Christ. And boy, I've tried from the Word to teach you exactly what God teaches us in the Word about being in relationship with Him. I can't really tell you what happened to me when I was nine. I can tell you that there was a man that was preaching the gospel, and I felt the Lord hit me, man, and I knew I was broken. I knew I was a sinner, and I wanted to be right with God. And I, I recognized I need him, and I just confessed. I confessed that I believed in Christ, that I knew I was a sinner, and in that moment, I was born again. And the Spirit, I could tell you, man, the Spirit of God moved into my life. There were things that would happen. I would, I would start to think about things that I would do that were wrong in, in a different way than I did before. Even as a, as a young kid, I'd be walking across the yard, and man, I'd start singing a, some kind of spiritual hymn. I'd be like, why am I singing that? It's because something had happened in me that was hungry for truth, and I got into the boat. And none of you, a lot of you are either right there, you're in the boat, and you go, yeah, man, I remember when I got in the boat. Said, but I keep getting frustrated. Here's the secret to living the eternal life now. When I was 22, I pushed away from the shoreline of sin and set sail in the sea of salvation. And now I'm living in the winds of grace. God is just carrying me. I courageously pushed away from everything that was familiar and said, Lord, you can have all of me. And I started to learn and understand the lordship of Christ. And in that courageous moment of letting go and, and going, why am I still trying to live like death is reigning over me? I'm living like a spiritually dead person, and I'm claiming that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and lives in me. And man, when that truth hit me and I pushed away, my life just shifted. And I became at peace in so many different areas of my life. And the fruit of the Spirit just started to be produced in me. And I started having such an enjoying, enjoyable fellowship with God that it didn't matter what was going on in and around and through me because it was a matter of what was happening in me. Like something, like I was walking with Jesus, man. I was living eternal life in the now. And so as I look forward in death, it doesn't rain over me, man. I look forward in death. I hope I have 20 or 30 more years, but I don't care if he takes me tomorrow. No fear, man. Like when I tell you that, like I, I'm telling you that I own for me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. I'm looking forward to the reunion that I am sharing on all of Christ and his glory. And I'm no longer having to reign in life right now on this side of eternity. I cross over to the other side and, and there's no longer a struggle in this sinful, condemned place. And maybe, maybe Jesus returns before I die. And I'm not worried about that either. Because that just means I won't ever taste that physical death. 
And so there I am. I'm in Christ. And my prayer is that you are in Christ. And if you're not, that you would quit playing games and you'd quit failing to wrestle with the greatest truth of your life. And you'd quit being influenced by all of the things that would deceive us all around us. It matters what you believe. It so matters what you believe. And so I would encourage you either get in the boat or push away from the shore. You say, well, how do I know? How do I know if the Lord is asking me, like, how do I know if I've been born again? Good chance if you're asking that question, you haven't been. Good chance if you're wondering, probably not. Because, man, like I said, like the, this is an individual thing. It's not me praying a prayer over you or your parents. It's you. It's your life to give. It's your life to surrender. And, and right now you go, well, man, you, 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 know, you might be in a place where your heart is kind of beating a little bit fast right now. You're going, what is going on? Why do I feel this right now? It is the Lord, bro. It is the Lord, man. He is after us. And when he comes after us, man, he comes in all of his glory. And we, can like, we know something's going on on the inside of us. And the question becomes, will we take our free will and believe in Jesus? For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is he asking you to get in the boat today? Or is he asking you to push away from the shore? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, we, we come to this point in the service, and this is when we, we kind of like hand it over to you and say, this is your time to take the truth that you've been exposed to and do what God is asking of you right now in this moment. And you talk to God in your chair. You speak to him. You talk to Jesus. If you need to surrender your life to him, then do that very thing right there. You, you, you can be born again anywhere. It's a matter of what Jesus is doing in your life and whether you're allowing him, like you're receiving the gift. That's all you can do is believe. And so if he's asking for your life, don't be afraid, man. Oh, will he change it? Yes, but he will change it for the much more life, okay? So give you a moment to pray. We are going to take communion today, and the elements are in front of you. But the greatest thing you could do before you start that is get your place, get your, your heart in the right place with the Lord this morning. And I'm going to pray over us. And if you make a decision, I hope that you will share by putting it on a connection card or emailing me, telling me, say, man, that, Jimmy, I think I gave my life to Christ today. I would be so excited for you as the Lord does a work in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gospel. It is good news, Lord. And I pray for each person here, Lord, that if there's one who doesn't know you, like how much rejoicing there will be in heaven over this one sinner 
who comes home and receives the gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for how clear the word is, everything that it teaches us. Thank you for the truth that we can, we can learn about you, that we're not taking some blind leap in the dark, that we actually do believe in something. And I just pray, Father, that through the ministry of OPCC, Lord, that many people, many people will come to know you and live the much more life. We love you and thank you and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.